Well, this morning, let's start in prayer together and, um, and then dive into God's word. Oh, Lord, we thank and praise you for your goodness. God, you are the one who loves us, who's made us. Thank you, God, that you also made us with purpose. And, Lord, that, that the purpose that we have as we find ourselves belonging to you and being your children is that there's more people that come to know you, too, that we, we continue this journey um, gathering people together that, that don't yet know you and don't know the peace and the joy and the love that's found in relationship with you. God, I just pray that you would continue to set our, our hearts on fire and, and you would just reignite this church to see the bigger mission that you have for us inside and outside. And Lord, that we would partner with you, that we would see where you are at work in our communities, in our families, in each of our lives. And Lord, that we would join you. So Father, would you move in our hearts? Holy Spirit, would you get us out of our comfort zones and, and give us greater trust and um, God, just give us a passion for people that don't know you yet and for the things that break your heart, Lord. Would, would they break ours too? And so, Jesus, please do this work within us. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, I just want to remind you of a few things. Stephen, we'll keep praying for your dad. Um, I know that you, all of you might have seen an email that came out this week, and, and we'll keep lifting up your dad and your whole family in prayer. Um, and I would just ask that you just keep praying for our church as we seek God together in this season of change and transition, and that we keep um, wondering with God where, you know, he's at work and what he's doing. This morning, we come to um, Sermon 4 of what it means to be part of the Evangelical Covenant Church. Um, I wanted to offer a few remarks before I got into the slides, just to let my slide friend Jamie know back there that um, I'm not going to be needing those slides right away. First of all, the word mission, and this where I don't watch the Blues Brothers all the time, so don't think that that's like the only movie I watch, but I know I have references, but there's this, there's this, <laughs> my husband's laughing. I don't because I object to a lot of things. I'm like, this is a terrible show, but there's, there's some parts in it, and I keep thinking about the part where they're like, we're on a mission from God, and, and that is what's getting them barreling through the streets of Chicago, breaking all kinds of laws, but they were focused on this mission of paying this, bill for this orphanage and, and helping them out. And yeah, they don't do it in all the right ways. But the word mission, as we think of um, the, the whole mission to the church, and one of the six affirmations of the Evangelical Covenant Church is a commitment to the whole mission of the church. And that's really important just to hold intention and hold in the back of your mind of the word whole. Um, the word mission does not appear anywhere in the New Testament. Did you know that? I didn't. You know, I never really thought about that. But the word where we get the word mission shows up 136 times, with 97 of them being in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's this word, apostolene. Apostolene. It means sent. And when we are sent somewhere, there is something intentional. There's intentional movement towards somewhere or something. You think about like when you've sent a letter, um, you've sent a package, you've sent your child, you've sent someone on an errand. Um, they're, they're going somewhere or they're um, a representative, our ambassadors. Think about that like in our nation, we have ambassadors that are sent out to other countries. And there's a specific purpose. The connection we have with this word sent is also the Greek word evangelizo, which means gospel. That means where we get the good news word. And it's vital that we understand the connection of apostoline and evangelizo, which is where we have sent and good news. 
The reference for evangelizo comes from a runner rushing to tell the results of a battle or an election. You know, they didn't have, they didn't have Wi-Fi or internet or, or even the post, so somebody would run. You know, I'm a, I'm a runner, and so the thought of like, all right, this is your job. You need to get from this town to this town to go tell what's happened. And so their, their job was to go report. Strong's Dictionary defines evangelizo as meaning, I bring good news, I preach good tidings, with or without an object expressing either the persons who receive the good news or the good news itself. And the good news being sometimes expressed also as a person. You think of like when we've had a baby, you know, before, I remember the, the first baby that I remember being born was my brother and I'm six years older than him. He's the one that calls me the smother, the sister mother. Um, and I remember my, my um, we being home and then waking up in the morning and hearing, oh my goodness, my brothers, but we finally have a boy in the family and we go to the hospital to see him and it was the good news was in a person. So when you think of the whole mission of the church, not meaning like a slice, you know, you think of like parts to a whole, quarter, 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 meaning hundred. We think of the whole mission of the church being described as being sent and bringing joy and the in the New Testament with purposeful intention, telling about the one who can bring new life and forgiveness, a new story which Jesus is able to do and could be likened to sunshine breaking through on a bleak and dark day. In Luke chapter 4, if you have your Bibles or your phone apps, I think there's Bibles underneath our chairs. If you get, look down there if you forgot your phone. Um, in Luke 4, after Jesus' baptism and temptation in the wilderness... I want to encourage you to look Luke 4, chapter 14. Jesus returns to Galilee and says he returns in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent, remember that word, apostoline? He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolls up the scroll, gives it back to the attendant, and he sits down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is filled in your hearing. So think about this. When Jesus came, when he was on the earth, where he passed, sorrows were healed, diseases were cured, shadows were lifted from strained minds, souls returned to health, and strength and cleanness occurred. And this is what Jesus' followers were called to do when he left this earth. That is what we are called to do also as Jesus' followers, to go out also, make disciples, gather, tell people about Jesus. Also, do the things he did, try to make people's lives better at the same time. The earlier followers of Christ were known as followers of the way, remember, because Jesus was called the way, the truth, and the life. But they were also called the ecclesia. And that's a word that's a Greek word. It's defined as a gathering of a citizens called out from their homes into some public space. It also defined um, as an assembly in a Christian sense. Um, it was a company of Christians or those who, hoping for eternal salvation through Jesus Christ, observed their own religious rights. They managed their own affairs according to regulations described by, the, by their gathering. 
Um, one other definition says it's the assembly of faithful Christians already dead and received into heaven. It was the whole body of Christians scattered out the earth. It's, it's all of us together in Christ's ecclesia. It's noted in scripture and in historical writings that the early Christians were the happiest of people. And the note of that first Christianity was joy. And this causes me to pause and wonder, and in our whole mission, as Christ followers, do others see the joy that we have? When we go someplace, is the path behind us, the dust behind our feet, is it joy? I think of one of my heroes, Princess Poppy from Trolls. She has joy wherever she goes. And we too, I mean, we're not supposed to look like a troll with you know, fuzzy hair and all that, but we are supposed to be filled with joy. As the Ecclesia in 1 Peter 2.9 says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's chosen possession to declare his praises of him who called you from darkness into his wonderful light. That is one of the whole missions of the church. In 2 Corinthians 3.1, the apostle prays that the message of the Lord will spread rapidly and be honored. And in 1 Thessalonians 1.8, that the gospel, the good news is to ring out and our faith in God is to be known everywhere. That is part of the whole mission of the church. Titus 2.1 says we are to teach solid doctrine and what is appropriate. That is also the whole mission of the church. 2 Peter 3.15 exhorts us to be prepared at all times to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the hope that you have. That is part of the whole mission of the church. And then we come to our, our gospel reading in John 15 before Jesus goes to the cross. And he relates to his followers that they need to be as intertwined in him just as a vine and a branch are connected and that he no longer calls us students or servants, but he calls us friends. And friends is a word tossed about from hand to hand with varying meanings. Often it can have no depth. Like, oh, you know, that's a friend of mine. It can be very casual. Or it could be, this is my best friend. The, the person that I, I, I share all my secrets with and the person I'm the most connected to. Real friendship is something between any two. It involves a certain drawing to each other, a kinship of spirit more radical than the surface differences that may be obvious and startling, though these last may be. It's essential because sometimes there can be no friendship at all. Oh, that's somebody I just hang out with, and we can still call them a friend. But Jesus puts a willingness to spend oneself for the other and do this ungrudgingly, without reckoning or cost, and eagerly, and so ready to help that he will give and give and give and give in his very life, if need be, to aid and save his friend. And that is what Jesus is saying in the mission of the church. For us as Christ followers, it means that we practice that same friendship and worth that's worthy of the name that, that others see right in. And Jesus tells that friendship, there's trust in the other and that they believe in him or her. You're gonna risk something on them. You'll never doubt their loyalty, but looking toward them with confidence. And this kind of friendship is costly for such love involves a sacrifice. And the perils and difficulties that would face and confront the disciples, their strength would lie in knowing that their mission is not of their own choosing, but of divine initiative and appointment. Remember, they were sent. This selection and commission would have purpose and a result, and the purpose would go out beyond to a mission fruitful in its effects of their own character, in yielding for eternity a harvest of gains in the cause of Christ. And this is where we get the, the old word that the covenant church called themselves. They called themselves mission friends. This comes from this passage of scripture where I'll just remind you of what Jamie read for us. Jesus said, 
My command is this, love each other. I'm in verse 12 of 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no other than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. And he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And he says, you did not chose me, choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. And so Jesus sends us out as, as mission friends. And this title, um, the, the Covenant Church, remember, came out of the Lutheran Church of Sweden. And so there was these branches that have come out of this Lutheran Church of Sweden, the um, Evangelical Free Church, um, the Baptist General Conference, and then the Evangelical Covenant Church. And at first they, they, they had several names before they, they landed on Evangelical Covenant Church. And the first one was called Mission Friends. And then it was Mission Covenant. And, and the name just kept going. But this is important to know of like our early history of who we are in the Covenant Church. Um, they, called them, they called themselves this title because it stemmed from this passage I just shared from you. Jesus calls us. He sends us out in his friendship and partnership with us. And he wants us to replicate as we meet others who don't yet know Christ, sharing the good news with them. We are sent to share good news. One commentator says this, that Christian love and fellowship is the school of Christian character. And it's, it's like the work of, of leaven, like yeast and bread. It influences all Christian and human relationships, setting before the world a revelation of Christ in the brotherly love and sisterly love that marks Christian community. And that also speaks to mission friends being together. We communicate the whole mission of the church together in Christ in love. And that comes from Jesus calling us his friends first and giving us his business to do. In the Evangelical Covenant Church, we communicate the whole mission of the church. And I really important because some there's these arguments and I think they're silly because it's like well do we do we evangelize and tell people about Christ and tell them that they need to be saved and tell them that that they need to be born again and and without Jesus they're going to hell or do we first tell them that and, and help them with food and with clothing and with the things that are unfair in this world and justice and and so many times the conversation is is either or and Jesus says no you do it all together one thing that I noted as I was thinking about this, is that Jesus never left people like they were. You know, it, it would be like, I've thought about the wises, you know, you guys are doctors, and people coming to you, and, and you'd be like, yep, looks too bad, you're, you're, you're in bad shape, but we'll see you later. That's, you know, that's, that's not treating them, and Jesus never did that. He never just said, yep, it looks like you're in a bad spot. Jesus always altered their whole situation. He, he altered their immediate reality and he altered their eternal reality. Think about that. He, he met their needs right then and there, but he also, everything about the future was, was changed because they had met Jesus. And this is the whole mission of the gospel. We meet people where they're at. We share the good news of salvation and forgiveness through Christ. And we also give them the goodness and provision for their immediate needs as we are able. It's not one or the other. And this is where social justice paired with the new life we have in Christ go hand in hand. It's like peanut butter and jelly or Ernie and Bert. You can't have one without the other. They need to be together. And we show Jesus' love by spreading Jesus' joy. And we use what we have to help people in the here and now. Some tangible ways this has happened in the Evangelical Covenant Church was starting with practical needs. You know, children and the elderly, the most vulnerable among us were seen and were, were cared for immediately. 
Um, I remember one of my first classes as a covenant pastor, we have to go through this orientation process and learning about the, um, the passion of helping um, children who were, who were without families, orphanages. There's, there's still covenant children's homes. There's one in Cambridge, um, out on the East Coast. There was one in um, Indiana. You know, they, they built these homes to care for children that didn't have parents. Right now, we, we have hospitals. We have Swedish Covenant Hospital in Chicago. That was an act of justice in Jesus' name. Right now, digging wells and clean water and advocating for those who don't have a voice in the world is an act of justice in Jesus' name. We have an arm of the ECC called Love Mercy Do Justice, and it's focused on how do we do this in the present world as Jesus' friends, witnessing to a watching world what the body of Christ looks like and does. And that is who we are to be in the whole mission. Jamie, you can bring up the first slide. So again, just to remind you where we've been and what we've been talking about, um, Jesus says that we um, are to be his friends, and we do this through um, living together and worshiping together in the Evangelical Covenant Church. And we, we do this by agreeing to these affirmations. We say yes to the centrality of the word of God. It all comes from God's word. Where is it written is a key phrase in the Covenant Church. Last week, we talked about why is it essential to be born again. Why do you need to have a new life in Christ and, and repent of your sins and, and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Why is it important, and my friend Rod's talked about this, is having a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. How are we dependent every day on the Holy Spirit? Today we're talking about the commitment to the whole mission of the church. Next week it's the church as a fellowship of believers, and then what does our reality of freedom in Christ look like? Next slide. So again, I just want you to keep thinking about the whole mission of the church and and specifically bringing it to here of, you know, right now, I'm just an analogist, we're, we're in a phase of rebuilding a new city. The old new city that was is not the new city that's here now. And so it's, it's really important and organizationally wise, we look at who are we now and what are we about? What is our mission in this church as we agree with God's mission? And we talked about just a little bit ago, Jesus saying, I'm your friend. You are my friends. You are gonna do what I, what I empower you to do. So how do we do that here at New City and I want you to be thinking about and sharing ideas as, as we talk about this. What do you see as the mission of our church? Um, this morning I was, I was thinking about something of how many people do you think live right around the rim of this church? You know, in, in Edina there's 51,000 people. Um, over 80% are white, then there's other ethnicities in there. Median income is 104,000. Property values, 476,000. That rocked my boat. Um, but then you start thinking about like all the other demographics of how many people within five blocks are there? How many people within those five blocks would know Jesus and know that he loves them and, and calls them by name? And then you go on and on and on and on. There's so much that's around us. God has a mission for us right here. And, and so my hope and my prayer is that this week, this will start percolating in you. This will start um, like leaven and yeast and rising and help you start thinking about what is our mission here collectively as a church and what is God calling us to do right here where we are. Next slide, Jamie. To remind you, when we begin our new life in Christ, remember how I said Jesus altered every part of people's realities and that's for us. Our heart and our mind change. We have a new story to tell and our purpose for living is reordered. Next slide. Herman Frank, this was a guy from 
1800s, he says, we live Christian lives for God's glory and our neighbor's good. Our mission is not just for ourselves to just soak it all up and, and be happy and have this great life, but it's also we glorify God by what we do and, and who we are, but it's also for our neighbor's good. And that contributes to the whole mission of the church. Next slide, Jamie. You know, I keep thinking about this phrase that I found. God is not calling us to go to church. You know, the purpose of coming here on Sundays is that we encourage one another, we edify one another, we worship together, we, we refill up, but it's supposed to be spent out during the week. So God is not just calling us here to come to church, to, to go to church, he's calling us to go be his church and be the hope of the world. And that goes back to being Princess Poppy and spreading that joy wherever we go. I'm sorry, men, you're probably like, Carrie, that's like the worst example. Think of your manly example of whatever Princess Poppy from Trolls is for you and do it. But Jesus says, go and love and do and be like me. Um, Jamie, can you please go to the near and far one? What does this mean practically for the whole mission of the church? It means that we think about mission far and near and near and far. It's not just like off somewhere in the distance, but it's also right here. And this is where I want you to keep thinking about and dreaming of how is God going to call us to be on mission right here in Edina, right here in our neighborhoods, but also far away. And, and we partner by supporting some missionaries. We had um, a young man from Campus Crusade here this summer. Mike? No. Stephen? No. Matt? Thank you. <laughs> like it's, I know it's coming up there somewhere. You know, he's somebody that we support as a mission far out, but we also need to have mission right here. And so what does that practically mean for us as followers of Christ here? Next slide. This is where I want to encourage you. When we love Jesus, we will purpose to keep his commands. In Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus reminds us. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Jesus has called us. He wants us to do what he does. And he reminds us that he chose us, he appointed us, he sends us, and he wants us to bear fruit that's going to be, to keep on producing. I think about this garden that we have in the backyard. It's beautiful. But every year, you know, we know winter comes and it dies and we got to plant it again. But you think about the, the gardens of growth that Christ is doing in our lives, they never die. When we plug into Christ, they are going to keep producing and producing and producing. And that's what Jesus says. He goes, bear fruit that will last and do it in my name. When we think about the, the two Jesus, we have the grace and the gospel and the whole mission of the church. And grace is something we don't deserve. We can't earn it. It God's, it's God's free gift to us through Christ. And then we have the gospel. It's the good news. Jesus came to free us from sin, death, and the devil. And we must tell about us. These two things go together in the hands of the mission of the church. Spreading the good news that Jesus died for us. He loves us. He loves you. He loves people that, that don't even know he loves them yet. And he also wants us to go and tell. So in the Evangelical Covenant Church, we believe that faith is active in love, and that's part of the whole mission. We believe that Jesus entrusted us to be his representatives here on earth. And this is where I, I get really convicted. I'm like, am I representing Christ in a way that is attractive and honoring? And, and someone would say, I want what you have. That is what being a representative is. 
in the whole gospel. He says to bring hope. We do this through reconciliation. Right now, we have the biggest opportunities of reconciliation in our world right now than we ever have. In justice and in peace. And that is what's missing from the church. And, and I think about how COVID kind of, um, kind of put the church back on its heels. And I just want to tell you, church, get back engaged. We can't be just watching and waiting. We got to get going. And I feel this urgency and it's, it's stirring. It's, it's uncomfortable because I think there's something that we need to start up doing again. And it's been hard. I, I think a lot of churches have been reset and, and everybody kind of got put in a rut. But God wants us to get going. And I want to encourage you, how do we accomplish this? Well, then we have to start by befriending. We need to be just like Jesus did where he went out to people. And yes, that might put you out of your comfort zone if you're an introvert. I'm sorry, I speak to as an extrovert where I seek people out and I see them as, an, as a new friend. My husband usually hates this. But he's like, why do you have to go talk to everybody? Like, well, they're a new friend I haven't met yet. But you know, do this in the ways that, that God has gifted you. God has gifted all of us with relationship. We are all relational beings capable in, in the ways that he's called us to. We show and tell, we talk about what has Jesus done in our lives. Even in your workplaces, find ways to be talking about what God is doing, bringing hope. If God, is, if God has showed up in a way like yesterday, one of them, actually our friend Amber, Amber came here this summer and she talked to you about Greece. You know, I told her, I said, hey, I've been thinking about you the last couple of days. How are you? And she said, Carrie, I, I've been so stressed out about money. She's in seminary right now. And she said, this unexpected thing happened where my car got towed. Apparently there was a flood there where she is in the East Coast and she got flood insurance and this reclaim of exactly what she needed for her rent. You know, that's a story to tell to say if someone's like, how are you? And be like, I've been really stressed out, but this is what God did in my life. This is how he's showing up. This is how he's giving me enough. You know, find the ways that God is working your life and, and, and tell your friends around you, tell your coworkers, tell your family. We do this through generosity and compassion. We find ways to be generous in the ways that God is going to allow us. And we also share compassion. You know, Jesus always met people where they were at and he always showed them that he understood them and he saw them. Church, that is what this world needs right now. And you know what? There's suffering and service attached to us. Jesus says, you will suffer when you are called by my name. We will suffer because we are called by his name. But he also tells us, you are my friends and you will serve in my name and I will be with you. Remember, he says, we're not going to do this alone. We're going to do this with Jesus and with his love and power. And I want to encourage you, next slide, this is going to occur across boundaries of race, ethnicity, culture, gender, age, and status. God is telling us to break down walls, and right now in the whole mission of the church, it means that we, we can't just be in our own little safe spot. He's going to tell us to go out into areas that we might find it uncomfortable. And, me, and, and really, that I think the, the beautiful thing that we have opportunity is how do we start maybe looking different than we are now and finding ways to connect to people across all of the places that we might have boundaries. So this week, I have just an ex exhortation for you to, to think about. I know this is not necessarily a do, but I'm, I'm asking you to pray about this, especially as you know, we, we are in a search process. Um, we're in a, a discerning process of what is God doing here and what? What is he doing in all of us? And I want you to pray about what are some new thoughts that you might have about your part, my part, our part, in the whole mission of the church. You know, Jesus calls you his friends, and he's, he's let you know what he's doing. 
So what new thoughts do you have as, as we sit and, you know, um, and process this next week? I'm going to ask you to do that. And I just want you to prayerfully consider what God will place on your heart, your mind this week, to partner with, hi- with him in your community and in our world. What is Jesus giving you a passion for? What is he, what is he um, making you uncomfortable about or, or being like, hey, you know what, there's a need here and, and, I, and maybe I'm supposed to be part of it. I just ask you to pray on that this week and, you know, email me, email Pastor Jamie, email Chris. You know, I think we, what God is doing in us is going to be really exciting and beautiful, but, I, but we have to also be willing to say, God, am I willing to join you? Am I willing to get out of my seat and get into the stadium and start the race again? And that is what, um, what I feel this, this growing urgency within, and I'm just going to be praying for you all this week, too. So um, if you would, as we pray today, um, if you're comfortable just to put your hands out, um, as just a posture of openness, um, I'm going to pray for us. Father, I just thank you for my friends here. Thank you for the commitment of the people that are here today to you and and to seeking you and, and journeying together as a church family. Oh God, whatever you want for us, Lord, help us to be willing to do it. God, help us to be willing to re-examine how we have done um, mission and how we've, how we've had attitudes about the whole mission of the gospel, of being sent and, and sharing the good news. God, I pray that you would help us to be uncomfortable and so uncomfortable that we'd be willing to follow you at any cost. Lord, help us to just be reminded of how our own lives were altered and changed because we encountered you And God, I pray for courage for my friends here, Lord, that you would fill them up with your Holy Spirit and that, God, as you send them out this week to their jobs, to school, God, to their neighbors, their families, whatever it is, Lord, that you would just fill them up with courage and and maybe words that that may not be their words but your words to share and tell and and bring hope. And and God, may it ultimately be filled with joy. Lord, may our joy be abounding all over And I just thank you, God, for what you are doing in New City. God, I thank you for the excitement and the hope of what's ahead. And Lord, help us to just partner with you and see where you're at work. Lord, we give ourselves to you and and we praise you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, amen.